Welcome to the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Lowry, founder of Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy and a nutritional therapy and MAP method practitioner specializing in allergies and sensitivities, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, sleep issues, and infertility. Join me for episode 39, where we talk with Dr. Anne Uemura, a clinical psychologist and MAP method practitioner with training in many other methods, including EMDR, Psych-K, Matrix Energetics, and Theta Healing. She is the author of Listen to the Cries of Your Heart. In this episode, we talk about her journey, her work with the inner child, and how she uses the MAP method in her practice. Hear about her work with the MAP method to heal inner wounds received in childhood that are barriers to emotional, mental, and physical health. Listen until the end to hear how you can learn more about Dr. Uemura's work. As always, we must disclaim that the information we share in the podcast is for educational purposes only. As MAP method practitioners, we do not diagnose or treat disease, and we recommend working with a qualified practitioner. Now, let's talk with Anne. So welcome, Anne Uemura to the show. I am so pleased to have you on and I look forward to talking to you about your work and how you use the MAP method. So maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you even found this method (laughs) of advanced neural retraining that we call the MAP method. Uh I want to share more than my background than, than normal, I would say. I was born and raised in Hawaii I'm Japanese-American, and at the time that I grew up, the Japanese-American were uh, the majority, and the whole idea of my being in my community among people like me, you know, never thought anything about it until I left after I got married and moved to what we call mainland. We moved to Indiana, and at that time, my uh, then husband would be really angry at the way people would stare at me in the grocery store. So this is really relevant in terms of the hate Asian thing that is going on right now, the whole racial awareness, you know, in our society. Well, at that time, I didn't realize that I looked so different and I was an outsider. And that made a mark on me. I We lived in Indiana for a while, and then we moved to Maine. It was like six or seven years since I had moved from Hawaii when my sister and older brother came to visit. And I remember having this weird experience of thinking they look so different and strange. And what I meant by that is that Asian faces are flatter than um other ethnicities, and I was taking it in. And then I looked at myself in the mirror, and I realized for all this time, possibly from the time I realized I was an outsider in uh, Indiana, that I was hiding me from my Asianness and acted like I was everyone else. So this is my psychology of recognizing one way in which self-rejection occurs. And um, anyway, so that was that. Um, My background, I have uh, bachelor's and master's in philosophy of all things. And that is because for much of my life, I lived from the head, the intellect. And um, it was not until after, in my 50s, when I read uh, Yogananda's autobiography, that I, his spirit somehow reached through the words to affect me 
you made me realize that life from the intellect brought you nothing because the intellect doesn't know how to live life. And actually it's your heart. So I decided then make a 180 degree turn, but that was just the beginning. So now I can speed up my, my own story. So I became a psychologist because I was always curious about human nature. And as I was teaching philosophy, ethics, I taught the Socratic method. Key to the Socratic method is the phrase, know thyself, which it was at the Oracle of Delphi. But Socrates is identified with that phrase. And I would teach Socratically in class, which meant that I would take whatever my uh, students said and then begin to question, how, how did they get there? So after eight years of this, I started questioning myself. And the question was, do I want my life to be a repeat of the last eight years? And the answer was no. So that's when I went into psychology and um, got my doctorate there and did a postdoc at University of California, Berkeley, and then was hired there at the counseling staff. So that was my major professional work. But after I retired, I began to explore all sorts of things because the work in psych psychology, I, I realized there was something missing in all the training and all the things that I've done. I was helping people, but not really helping people. So I did all kinds of training. Um, healer training, I'm four years at Barbara Brennan Healing School. I did um, intensive training in neurological repatterning, in hypnosis. I, I trained in uh, EMDR, all kinds of things. Oh, some uh, matrix energetics, which is this really far out <laughs> uh, yes. person, Richard. Um, can't remember his last name. Anyway, um, just exploring, um, exploring the possibilities. So I was a student and it was not until four or five years ago that all of this came to a screeching halt when I had bought the entry into writing a chapter in a published book. And as I was sitting on the sofa right there, the phrase, listen to the cries of your heart, came to me out of the blue. It was the first time that I heard intuition so clearly. So I took that phrase, I was handwriting, and I just wrote whatever came to me. The chapter turned out to be uh, listening to the cries of my heart. And then I realized I had a book. So I wrote a book, Listen to the Cries of Your Heart. And it became an inner child method, which I um, put together as part of the book, all the time being guided by intuition. So prior to the time, most of my life was led through, um, was guided by my head and the traditional path. You know, I know I read the road less traveled. <laughs> I, I want the road well traveled for a long time. The Asian background keeps you, kept me in a box of conformity. Mm. And so everything that was safe, which is part of um, how I practice um, with MAP now, because um, too many of us take the safe path. Um, you know, you get your degree, your credential, your certification, and you're good to go because that's known and secure. But to, to go out of the box, which listening to intuition is, is uh, what led me on my own path. So um, that, <laughs> that is a quick summation of my background. <laughs> Wow, you have done so many things. I'm just astounded. 
Yeah, you've you've explored so many things, and it's so interesting that you you decided to train in all of these methods after retirement. Um, you know, I, I'm familiar with all of these, uh, so I can I can really see wow how you kind of spanned a lot of different energy and um, just alternative techniques. Tell me more about this book. I, I think I so. Are you saying that you had a contract to write a book, but didn't know what it was going to be? No, I self-publish. I self-publish, yes. How did you decide to write a book? (laughs) Again, I can't stress enough how much in retrospect I realized I was led, just like I was led to map. So um, this book, uh, I wrote the book and I, I found an editor and... I self-published and I thought, okay, my life work is done. <laughs> I'll just do this, you know, and I had workshops, I had clients and, and did this inner child work, which if I forget to mention, I do also include in my practice with MAP because it fits in very nicely. Um, but I thought, okay, so I'm a numerological 22, which is a master number. I'm supposed to be a paradigm shifter. So uh, somewhere after my 50th, 50, I'm, I'm walking, I'm saying to my partner and saying, you know what my greatest disappointment is? I'm a 22 and I'm not contributing anything huge to the world. So I thought with this inner child method, Okay, I arrived. I've done it. So uh, I, uh, I I did my marketing. I sold my book, you know, and then things started petering out. But I thought, okay, I don't know how to market. So just let's find out how to market. And then um, uh, Colette came into my awareness sometime in the um, Facebook things that she, you know, presents every once in a while. And I joined the five-day challenge on abundance. This was, this was over two years ago, maybe longer than that. And I was not even through the second day that I said to myself, I've got to do training in math. I didn't even know much about what it was at that time. But again, being guided, intuition told me that this is something I needed to do. And of course, you know, as all of us MAC practitioners know, once you learn what it is, your mind goes, oh, my God. By the way, as a sub, (laughs) a little addendum all the things that I did training for, I didn't realize that I was trying to heal my own heart, that I was trying to find a method of healing that was very effective and very deep. So with my inner child work, I thought I had gotten there, but it was MAP that just said, um, gave me <laughs> a huge pass to do so much more um, because the thinking about inner child is so similar to the parts that we treat with now. So it was very easy to bring the two together. So uh, I can't, str- oh, then I'll finish the story here. I also did a course in miracles and a, a succeeding book, series of book called One with God. The idea is that um, from A Course in Miracles, you're not to seek for love or seek for truth, but the barriers to truth, the barriers to love. What they, what are they from the inner child or the map point of view? The barriers are the wounds when parts were created. And these parts were all about survival. And because they're about survival and not thriving, and based on the wisdom resources of age five or six, we are very limited as adults living from that space, right? Yeah, the thing goes hand in glove, but with the inner child idea, 
I stress that um, this is Marianne Williamson, one of the teachers of um, A Course in Miracles. She said, you came as love, but you learned fear. And the spiritual task is to unlearn your fear and your prejudices until you begin to know yourself as love. So that's what I see the map and inner child work about, that it is to return everyone who is open to it to their original innocence as love so they can live from a place of peace and love in that way. So I wanted to get all of that um, endpoint in mind because in the course of talking about specific, about map and inner child, that piece might get forgotten. <laughs> but anyway, um, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So for people who aren't familiar with the term inner child or inner child work, can, can you talk yeah. a little bit about what that is so that you can help us, the layperson, understand? I don't even understand. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the inner child, the inner child, you're going to understand in terms of parts really easily. Okay. So in our um, human life, even um, for some very sensitive people, so this is also, I really address people who recognize themselves as intuitives, as empaths, as creatives, sensitives, they come in wired in a particular way. So when they come into the womb or the cell that of this human life, they can already sense that this is not going to be easy, that the mother that they selected or are coming to is so wounded and pained herself that she won't be there for the child. And so early on, they get that idea and parts are created that are making, helping the child survive by bearing the pain, by burying, managing the negativity, the anger, the fear, the aloneness, so that the child can survive. And these are the patterns and beliefs and ways that the uh, inner child is created. So the inner child are all the parts that got created from all the wounding that was experienced in early childhood. The inner child, from my point of view, um, shows up in adult life by triggers of anger, fear, and grief. Uh, I'm going to already jump into some clients that I've dealt with, okay? So there's one person who came to me because she read an article I read for I wrote for Little Buddha on anger, using anger as your guide. And um, she came because she was happily married, had a son she adored, and a stepson that she had real difficulties with. And her husband was a very nurturing kind of person, knew how to be present to her. And uh, so she got in, she was lucky to get the kind of love that she never had growing up all through. And so with the stepson, she would be resentful. She tried to be patient, but she just burst out in anger. And she didn't like that about herself. So she contacted me to do work, and I did map work with her. And the, the, the treatments seemed to deal with times in her life early on as much as she could remember when she was angry or should have been angry because she was rejected, betrayed, or abandoned, but never was allowed either by her giving herself permission to be angry or the circumstances didn't allow herself to be angry. So she buried that stuff. So here is this three-year-old stepson or however he, old he is, just pushing her buttons. 
and she couldn't tolerate it. So each MAP session, each session we had, took care of some of the wounds. More, as you know, as we work with people, we work with one layer, and then another set of memories come up and related events come up, and we treat that. So after three sessions, she felt pretty good. And a major issue with her husband, they were able to talk about, and she felt really settled. So then I sent her a, a recent um, message and said, how are you doing? She says, I just lost it. I am now as in, indifferent and uncaring as my son, not as bad as it used to be. So then I told her, and this is the inner child coaching part. You know, we can treat your anger and anything related in the past, but be with your anger. If you can't be then, be with it later. Just sit. Imagine everything that happened and sit and feel it and go to your heart because that's where the anger is coming from and ask your heart. What do you need? Your anger is saying no. What is your yes? And it is your heart's needs, of course. Needs for time, needs for attention, need for love, need for care. This next email I wrote, she said, things are better. Do you think I'm actually taking care of myself and my needs? She wrote, and so we're having this correspondence. So part of the inner child work is to acknowledge all the anger, all the fears, all the grief in your everyday life and sit with them. It's like sitting with a child, your inner child who is angry, and you say, so what's going on? What happened? What did you need instead? And even if they can't tell you, you, you can figure out what it is they need. They needed the attention. They needed the gesture of acknowledgement, the appreciation or something. And if you can be yourself with that heart that needs, that's all in some ways that the healing that is needed because your heart has been pushed aside because you didn't realize your inner child was there and you've pushed it aside. So does this make sense to you in terms of what the inner child is? So, yeah. So you and I have such different backgrounds because you had this deep, deep um, education and experience with psychotherapy before you became a MAP method practitioner. That's quite rare, actually. I think there, uh, there's only a small fraction of MAP method practitioners that have your background, including Colette, of course, the founder. I didn't study psychotherapy, so everything I know about it just comes from learning the MAP method or maybe like readings I've done on my own. What I so I hear, I think what I understand you to be saying is like in the map method where we talk about parts, which are for people who don't understand that term, aspects of your personality, right? So there's an aspect of a personality that you've cultivated, you know, for example, for, you know, uh, being doing well in school or uh, another aspect of your personality that you kind of cultivate for like relating to your parents or to your spouse or to your child or right, all these different roles that we have. We have different aspects different aspects of our personality. And as my sister-in-law, who is a psychotherapist tells me, she said, it's like, you're, it's like you're on a bus, right? And the bus is full of different aspects of your personality. And we never know who's driving the bus. It keeps changing depending on what the situation is that you're responding to. There's there, like these parts are being switched out very smoothly, you know, and um, taking over to allow you to function in these different ways, right? So when I hear you talking about inner child parts, I think what you're talking about is trauma parts that are formed maybe before the age of five or six. Yes. Although, um, is this also correct that um, parts can be formed at any time of life, right? So we, we are developing or we're forming parts um, throughout life. And so, so, but you're specifically talking about the very young parts. Is that right? Yes, yes. And um, because they set the tone, 
four other parts that um, that develop. Oh. Okay. So, so you're saying that they have a, a a bigger influence than. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For for example, I'll use my own history. Um, my grandmother early on in my childhood called me a habutembo, which is, means a powder. So I got the instant message that being angry and showing your anger was not a good thing. So I became a suppressor and repressor of anger. So um, uh, anytime I was traumatized okay, um, at different points in my life, okay, the next huge incident is six years into my marriage, my husband betrayed me. And I was angry for 24 hours. I never was angry like that before, but I was angry. I was just like beating his chest. But he, he reminded me that it wasn't reasonable or logic to be behaving this way. And because I was a philosophy major, I was a debater, he was my debate coach, the call to rationality just pulled me back into my mind. And I decided I couldn't win by being angry. So I was going to bury it. So one more time, and there was another time in my life, I did that as well. I suppressed and repressed. And when you do this with anger, uh, it takes a lot of life energy. So you, you live depressed. You live in a fog. You function okay, people can't tell, but that's that's another way that the early inner child had another experience to amplify the defenses used as an adult. And believe me, as you could tell from what I talked about, how to treat anger, that is not the way, not to bury it in, in your heart. But it's it's the survival thing that the parts are about and the defensive thing that the parts from which the parts are created that are functional but they're ultimately destructive for any kind of unique expression of your gifts and your life purpose mm. so anyway i <laughs> well, yeah yeah, yeah, we're talking about parts, right? So you knew all of this before you came to the MAP method. And when you came to, I, I, I want to talk about this, this experience you had with this challenge on abundance, which is like, seems like a really different realm of life. But what did you understand about what was happening that made you realize this was a really powerful technique and you needed to add this to your very large toolkit? <laughs> What, what struck you about it? What? Yeah. I wish I could go back to uh, know. All I know was I barely knew anything about it, but I felt I needed to do it. And as you know, it's quite an investment to get into the training. But I checked it with my guidance, intuition, and said, go for it and do it. And you know, so um, let me let me see, add another <laughs> dimension to this. We work with superconscious. We work with the subconscious. I believe that intuition is an expression of superconscious. So when I do the work, sometimes I don't feel really enthusiastic about a client session. And partly is because of the uncertainty I have of whether I can deliver or not, deliver the results that they want. But then I always remember I'm not in charge. Superconscious is in charge. And it's the same, same with my life. I'm not in charge. Intuition, spirit is in charge. So whenever there are any doubts, I can fall back to this trust that I have. And ultimately, you know, that in the MAP process, one of the last and one of the very first things that we do is we train the superconscious 
to tag and treat anything distressful that comes between map session. Everybody gets that instruction at the end of every session to get it. Do you know how many people remember that? No. It's the same thing like um, spirit. Um, in a very kind of non-religious um, expression of spirit, the eternal, the spirit, mystery is always here. We came from that place. But do we remember? Well, only when we're desperate and don't know what to do, we pray. <laughs> you know? But spirit is always there. And just a very few people that I've worked with who remember to ask superconscious, please treat this. So um, MAP offers such a powerful connection and tool that we have. I didn't know that when I started. I'm just beginning to realize more and more the longer I practice. So when you ask me what made me ever decide to do this, let's say spirit just shoved me through the door. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now that you've been practicing for a while, can, can you just talk about what it is that, you know, you had, you've had training in a lot of different methods. What is it that's powerful about this method? Why do you use it? And maybe to do you, I mean, I, I, I guess what you're saying is that you use it maybe more so than some of these other things that you learned. Why, why, and how does it help? And um, yeah, what is unique about the MAP method? Maybe you can just talk about that. Okay. Um, the key thing, I think, there is so much revolutionary methodology being offered at this particular time. I tend to gravitate to working with the subconscious. I, I did hypnosis because I realized that the conscious mind is really limited. And when you think of all the coaches on this planet, of which there are millions, they're trained to deal with limiting beliefs and all and affirmations and all of these things, all on the conscious level. And maybe someone persistent enough after six to eight months may make a breakthrough. But we go directly to where uh, it all is, so to speak, where the source of all your behaviors and thinking patterns are, which is the subconscious. So, from my point of view, uh, we have to deal with the subconscious material. And um, MAP has a beautiful way of doing it. That's one thing. For me, <laughs> when I see people's um, neurotic and um, distressful behavior, whether it's in the news or in the family or among friends, um, sometimes... Well, actually, my partner would say, okay, we see wounded children here. And sometimes in television, I hear that, like in a courtroom scene, somebody said, we are, after all, all wounded children. I went, what? Anyway, the whole concept, if there's anything wrong with an adult right now, if they're struggling, or even if they're successful, but unsatisfied, unhappy, it's because of things laid out early in childhood. And that's what we deal with, with MAP and inner child work. So in some ways it's so, for those who don't know, uh, I believe that there's probably no one on earth that can't use MAP or inner child work because we've all been hurt and no matter how much we rise above it, uh, unless we heal those wounds, they're going to sap our energy, make it harder for us. That's one thing. The other thing is 
Remember these creatives and sensitives and intuitives that I talked about. Because of their early wounding, their lack of welcome. I mean, who, as a parent, can welcome a very sensitive child who is responding to this too confusing, too stimulating world? And they may be kind of like ADHD. They might be... Um, acting out, they're just trying the best, but all you see is the behavior. We as parents don't have that kind of sensitivity to know, oh my God, this is a special child and I need to treat her or him in a different way. No, they didn't get that. So what do they learn to do? Hide it. Not welcome, hide, hide, hide. If they ever protested, smacked, ignored, something like that, go to your room, whatever it is. So they learn you get punished anytime you show up as yourself. So my work recently has been focusing on these creatives and intuitives and empaths, empaths too, real big time have this issue because nobody tells them that what they're feeling isn't theirs but somebody else's, they get really confused. And so all of that's going on. And, and empaths have a more difficult time because it's really hard to bury your empath capacities. But in any case, okay, some of the people I've been dealing with, for instance, this recent successful woman, she's an executive director of a nonprofit. But on the other side, she is a creative and um, and she's been successful in some selling some of her creative stuff in a very, very difficult competitive market. She took the safe path in getting the education to become an executive director for this nonprofit. But she came to me, having discovered MAP someplace, and so in, after our first session where we dealt with the conflicts that she was realizing, and part of it was how her creativity wasn't encouraged, wasn't welcome and supported in her life. So after that, she said to me, oh, my God, I picked up a project and did the whole first draft without any hesitation and I loved it. I was exhilarated. That's the term she used. That's when you're in your gifts, doing the work that makes your heart sing. But all these people who went into hiding with their talents took the safe path. And um, later in their 40s and 50s, they begin to realize this isn't working. I really want to do something else. Uh, and, and I love working with people like that because they have so many gifts. I'm working with someone who's in MAP practitioner training, who is an incredibly psychic healer. She's so talented. She can see so much that's going on. Um, auras and, and all kinds of things happening in a person's field. But she is so psychic, she's not grounded enough to do the work. And there's so much doubt and fear. So the work is helping her ground, 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 and um, treating her fears. Their fears that came up, comes up from different places. She lost her father at three, whom she loved. She couldn't remember anything about him. But after we treated that father wound, she could remember her father's love. And it did so much for her. So... This is the kind of work that is so rewarding to hear. When the wound is treated, how much more becomes available 
to the person. And yeah, so that's my little tangent off on um, some of the work that I do. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, you know, I remember having a conversation with Colette Stryker before I, when I was considering the certification program. And, you know, remember, I have no psychotherapy background, right? So she was trying to explain to me what was unique about MAP. And she said, we integrate parts. She said, no one else has that. No other method can do that. We integrate parts because we believe that the mono personality is actually better or moving towards a mono personality is better than having all of these parts that are conflicting with each other, potentially. And I didn't understand the significance of that at the time, but now I have more perspective on that. And I've worked with lots of clients and I, I've, ha I've even had some clients that are like, um, they've done years of therapy, somatic therapy. They really have a very clear and present relationship with parts. And they tell me like these, parts that were such a feature of my reality are now gone after that session. They're gone. Like I try to communicate with them and they're not there anymore. They used to present problems, you know, that I had to appease them all the time. And, you know, I don't feel this in myself. I'm not that connected, but they, you know, for people, who, for the, for the small fraction of clients that I have that, that are, they can tell me this and it's, and it's like, oh yes, we really are integrating parts. You know, um, so can you talk a little bit about that? The reason why the the parts are there, the inner child is there, is because they're hurting, they're wounded. They need their pain acknowledged and all their negativity uh, treated and released. So MAP has the, the um, power to treat and heal these parts. So they no longer need to have an independent voice because they, they don't have to cry out anymore because their pain has been healed. So then they can become integrated. Um, another way in the inner child's point of view is that um, when trauma occurred, the child felt very alone the aloneness with a lot of fear, but very strong. And that's a lovely thing to acknowledge that the parts have done so much to bring the adult to where he or she is. And in treatment to, to say that and to acknowledge this part for all that you've done. And you know what? I know you're exhausted because you've had to do so much, but you still have, are carrying this pain, which is pain that the adult is carrying in the heart, and it's time to let it go. It came from being traumatized early on. You don't have to bury it and hold it so the adult doesn't have to feel it. So that's kind of the motivation of the parts. From my point of view, they're there to protect the young child from being overwhelmed by the pain and the negativity of the experience so that they can go on. These are the defenses that are used. And, um, but when they're seen, treated and released, they can let it go. And with MAP, they become with the information and coping strategies and positive memory become part of the adult. Yeah, they're not, they can't be found in that particular uh, way that you, you know, your client is describing. In some sense, it is a loss and it's kind of sad, but the energy it took to deal with that, those parts, you can use them for so much more. So that's to me, the good side of the story. Yeah, yeah. So can you just help me compare and contrast for people who have experienced psychotherapy? Um, so you worked with parts and inner child with those tools. How would you 
compare that to what you can do now with the MAP method and maybe some of these other tools you studied? Let me start with counseling and psychotherapy. I still use not counseling exactly, coaching sorts of things because people need a shift in perspective because also the child comes up a certain perspective on what life is like, like um, forgiveness. Say a person that doesn't know learn much about forgiveness. So you, I kind of train them about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness means doesn't mean that you left the perpetrator off the hook. Uh, you don't want to forgive because you want justice. You want someone to know your story on and on. And I, I tell them, you know, what's really important is that you, the adult, own the story and accept this is what is what has happened. And if you hang on to the story as your identity, you lose. So there's some of this kind of coaching about um, better ways of living, better perspective to have that would be part of it. Then the part of counseling that I think can be tremendously effective is that hour after hour, month after month, year after year, an individual gets to explore what they're holding on to, to the level that they're willing to explore. And maybe in that time, they'll come to these wounds and so forth. But because this is happening on a conscious level, and even if a person has inner child work, they can say, okay, you be with this child. They don't, well, whether they can help the client be 100% with the child to heal the pain in her heart uh, is, is up for grabs. Some can and some can't. So that inner child work can eventually be done. But oftentimes after long, long, long hours of uncovering, whereas the MAP method and the inner child work We've, we've got our focus on the parts. We got the focus on all these ways that the child shows up, these triggers, these limiting beliefs that they have, you know, and all of this. So it's such a direct approach. And the use of the subconscious is so important because, as I said, so much of the work that's done in therapy happens on the conscious level. And there's only so much that the um, that you can do there. You know, like uh, when I think of the eating disorder persons that I used to treat um, at UC Berkeley, these were a group of bulimics for the most part, and they were super gorgeous model level attractiveness, every one of them. And no one of them could see who they were because they had this body dysmorphia. They were coming, they were seeing themselves through their, all the wounded rejection that they felt from very early on. So they saw themselves as ugly, fat, whatever it was that they got from the outside. And, um, and that stuck. And that's the way they lived. And the bulimics, you know, they were destroying their innards with all that, that. But that wouldn't stop them because the strength of the parts that took on the lies coming from the wounds of the early childhood were so strong. So that's a really graphic illustration of how destructive and the lies taken on in those wounds can be. That um, the, the parts think it's the way to survive, but they really got off on a wrong track. So they offer nothing good in their survival kit, so to speak. Um, so, Anyway, I think that getting to the source, 
where superconscious can treat the source, even though they don't have the memories. We can ask superconscious, treat the memories that are there, consciously or not. Treat all parts associated with these memories, treat the negativity, da, 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 treat the pain, all of this. That's why, that's what I love it. It doesn't have to be conscious for the person to be treated, treating things in themselves. And you know, that is oftentimes um, how people get so frustrated because they have tried so many things and they still know that something's wrong, but they can't get to it. But their subconscious can. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for yeah explaining that. And I do think, yeah, that that's the keys here. What makes the MAP method so different, so gentle, so effective, so fast, is that we are harnessing the power of that subconscious mind, which knows all of its own programming, right? And so even if people are like, I, I don't understand this parts thing, I mean, you can just think of it as like, you know, the operating system of your mind was created when you were a child, right? You're walking around in this practically in a hypnotic state, just, just accepting, you know, all the experiences and all you know, witnessing, everything you observed, right? became part of your operating system. For the first five or six years of life, that's who we are. But there are programs in there that are not, they're running you, but they are not serving you, right? And at some point later in life, it's like, it may be time to deal with these and help to rewrite those programs. So you remind me of someone that I work a little bit with in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, her story real briefly is she was born to a mother who um, was in so much pain herself. She was never there for her. And so this person who must be about 40 now, she just saw her history as her mother abusing her, abusing her, abusing her just forever. And she had children, so she couldn't be a good mother to her children. And in the last year, she had to give up her 12-year-old. And there were older kids that she had to give up um, to child protective services or something like that because she knew she gave them up because she knew she was not doing them any good. When I first met her, she said, I'm, I'm a smoker and I'm going to smoke my, uh, myself to death just like my mother did. Uh, after um, some MAP treatment, she had this incredible experience of, and it wasn't an intellectual thing, she could feel the pain of her mother. And she could feel that her mother intended the best for her, that her mother loved her, even if she couldn't show that love. And she couldn't show that love because of her mother, her pain. She got that. Nobody told her, which we can tell each person that's true, but she just got it in this map session. And for, quite, for a while after that, she was just celebrating her mother. She also she went back into a dark period again, and now she's again emerging. But um, uh, let's put it this way. Superconscious knows how much to treat and what to treat, I feel. And and gave her this experience that made such a difference for this person. It just gave her a shot in the arm of positivity. I'm running a group right now and the stories we're getting, every time we come to uh, a group session, um, it's just so devastating. This was about loss this week. Last week was about fears. And when I read these stories, I think, oh, my God, we got to treat for an hour and a half <laughs> because we spend the first half of it talking about what people are experiencing and so forth. Um, but then I remember 
superconscious in each person will do the safe amount of treatment, not to take on the whole history of loss. For some people, it's been amazing how many people have died in their family. Amazing amount of fear also is just like, but superconscious will know what, and, and then in the course of the treatment, I will reassure each person involved. You don't have to let all of it go. You can just let go what you feel safe to let go. You work with superconscious so that it's gentle, it's not painful, et cetera, et cetera. So the work with the subconscious that knows everything about you, that you can learn to trust as we have learned to trust, is a powerful part of how we work. I think that's that's really, a, a, you, you raise a very good point. This is another aspect of the MAP method that is different from other modalities because in other modalities, I think you're more dependent on the practitioner, right? Having skill and expertise and like figuring out what it is you need and then doing it to you and then, you know, right? And, and, and this is a very different kind of modality and it's a little hard for people to understand, but we as, as practitioners are really offering instructions that your mind, your subconscious mind um, either accepts or rejects or accepts partially or whatever. I mean, your subconscious mind is mediating this and your subconscious mind is doing the rewiring of your brain to the extent that is best for your highest good, right? So it's always for your highest good. And and it's your brain rewiring itself based on instructions offered by the practitioner. So there's no forcing and there's no, oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's um, really individual and customized. So like you said, you're working in a group, you can offer the same instruction to a group of people and it is enacted differently for each of those people exactly to their needs, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it is. It is just uh, amazing, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it's so yeah, it's so helpful to hear all about your background and all the work that you had done and how you came to this work and how, even with all the tools you already had, that you you still see something special and powerful and effective about this method that you've come to rely on it, right? Yes. And I, and this morning um, I came upon a training <clears throat> on trauma, you know, and we're dealing with trauma, right? And it was um, a course. I don't know how long it was, but I could recognize all the experts on trauma on there. And I thought, Hmm. Do I need to do this training? <laughs> Believe it or not, having explored all kinds of training for 20, 30 years, I am done. <laughs> so, was, so I use the pendulum for um, uh, communicating. And I, so I said to pendulum, is this training something I need? Oh, and thank God it said no. <laughs> because... My belief was, with all that I know, and with superconscious working, because this was a lot about trauma trapped in the body. And um, I know enough about trauma. And look, and then we asked superconscious to treat the memories and all levels of physiology. So we're covering that, maybe not the way that these people work, but that's, that's the power of MAP. It can do, oh, speaking of which, and maybe this is like getting out of the range of topics that are talked about, but Dr. Gary A. Flint, who um, uh, researched and put together all the methods with the subconscious, with his work with dissociative disorders, 
people who were tortured, basically, um, wrote a second book, um, and it had to do with feels. And without getting into very much detail, I feel as a healer, energetic healer, I've been trained to deal with past lives and with cord connections in relationship to people and things like that. However, not about feels. So what are feels? Feels are information influences which we're all subjected to. In particular, <clears throat> allopathic medicine has a huge feel that has pretty much taken over our country. When you think of any illness, you think of going to an allopathic physician for diagnosis, treatment, and so forth, because there's this whole um, bunch of information of every kind of symptom and all of this that happens. And that is something that we live in. It's like a cloud we live under. And so if you're treating someone with a physiological problem and they are only exposed to that, they can only go so far. So unless you treat the field, that's where uh, Richard, what's his name with the matrix? Bartlett. <laughs> huh? Richard Bartlett. <laughs> deals with a lot is to uh, remove these fields because it's hard enough to deal with when your body's going wacko <laughs> uh, and you're so scared and to have the fear and the doomsday prognosis of allopathic medicine sitting there to interfere with any hope um, of becoming whole and better. So we treat that. The work with subconscious is very deep and extensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Summarized. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for sharing all that you know. And I, I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about this group class that you're offering. I don't know if it's something you offer on a regular basis. And let us know how people can find out more about your work and find you. Okay. I have put versions of this course. This is the second time I'm doing it. This one is called Integrating Your Inner Child. And we do map work regularly. The first one was called Gathering Your Gifts, Finding Your Purpose, Coming Out of Hiding. And these were people who were trying to break out of their old mode. Uh, one moving uh, in retirement, not su successfully finding his passion. Another one moving from retirement into doing something different. All of that were uh, their pilot courses for something that I'm trying to create that will be maybe 12 weeks long, but it's yet to be created. Otherwise, I work with individuals. I can be found on the MAP site as a U.S. practitioner. And as Madeline points out, when you look over the practitioners, many of them don't come from the background I come from. And that's why they, I often get chosen. Also, uh, my spiritual work is tremendously important to me. And I feel that spirit guides people to me. So when they look over MAP practitioners, they choose me because there's enough of my spirituality showing up that um, they want to work with me. So that's a really good way of finding me. Other than that, I have my website, which is Ann K. Uemura, Ann with an E, K. U-E-M-U-R-A-P-H-D.com um, where there's information about me and testimonials and contact information. You can contact me. I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and I should mention that Anne is in California, West Coast time. 
Mm-hmm. But that it doesn't really matter because we do all of these sessions over Zoom video conference. So really we can work with anyone anywhere as long as the time zones aren't too far apart. Well, Anne, it's been lovely having you on the show. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk about your work. And I hope that this has been informative and inspirational for people. Well, thank you, Madeline. I have a tendency to be so associational in telling stories and things. I hope I haven't confused people. (laughs) No, I think it's all good. All good. Thank you. Yes. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish with Functional Nutrition podcast. Please listen again and remember to follow us and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. To learn more about the MAP Coaching Institute, visit mapcoachinginstitute.com. To learn more about Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy or check out our podcast page, visit tcnutritionaltherapy.com. Until the next time, Be well and flourish. Content of this podcast, copyright 2021 by Twin Cities Nutritional Therapy. Music by Barbara Benn.